Hey, good evening, everybody. Special welcome back to many of you. Sometimes easy to forget how fragile life is, how tenuous our existence. We all know we're not here forever. Sometimes we, uh, we forget about that fact. We all know this world is just a short hallway opening to eternity. Olam Hazed, Doma Lefrozdor. But sometimes we get lost in the facade of permanence. Yet when faced with the tragedy, when the, the darkest, most evil forces extinguish the light of a neshama tahara, a pure, beautiful, radiant soul, someone with love and compassion who really cared for humanity, and the neshama of Mrs. Lori Gilbert Kay, we're definitely shaken from that slumber. We once again wake up into that most daunting reality, the fragility of life, the vulnerability of existence. We all live with basic expectations and assumptions of the future, always looking forward to the next step. We're building, we're planning, we're anticipating, we're dreaming. We're assuming probably the scariest thing of life is the fact that life is not a given. I want to share with you some of the words from Rabbi Yisrael Goldstein, the very impressive, very courageous rabbi in Poway. He wrote this in his op-ed article two days ago for the New York Times. This is the very back page of the booklets. I pray that my missing finger serves as a, as a constant reminder to me, a reminder that every single human being is created in the image of God, a reminder that I'm part of a people that has survived the worst destruction and will always endure, a reminder that my ancestors gave their lives so that I could live in freedom in America, and a reminder most of all to never ever, not ever be afraid to be Jewish. From here on... I'm going to be more brazen. I'm going to be more proud about walking down the street wearing my tzitzit and kippah, acknowledging God's presence, and I'm going to use my voice until I'm hoarse to urge my fellow Jews to do Jewish, to light candles before Shabbos, to put up mezuzahs on their doorposts, to act with kindness, to do, to show up to synagogue, especially this coming Shabbos. So remember Goldstein's words, He's trying to bring this to action. We're not here to explain why, but we have to somehow do something. And the, the suggestions that he gave, coming to shul, placing a mezuzah on your door, these are all wonderful things to do, but what happens if we're already doing them? I go to shul. I have a mezuzah. What do I do now? I light Shabbos candles. So I think for many of us, to take the, uh, the encouragement of Rabbi Yisrael Goldstein, 
it's not necessarily doing more, but it's doing deeper. I read a beautiful article in H.com about Mrs. Lori Gilbert Kay. It said that one of her favorite quotes, I don't know the exact source of this, but one of her favorite quotes was, Life is not measured by the number of breaths we take, but by the moments that take our breath away. Happens to be, we actually have a mitzvah. We have an obligation in this week's parsha to create moments that take our breath away. And I think if we focus on not just doing more, but doing deeper, to really live the mantra of Lori, we could put something into action, we can make this somehow meaningful for us. Where do we find in the Torah the mitzvah to create moments that take our breath away? In the beginning of the 18th parak, in the Yikra, Shmartem es chukosai ve'es mishpotai asher yasa osam ha'adam v'chai bahem ani Hashem. Basically, you should do my mitzvos v'chai bahem and you should live through them ani Hashem. We're going to see this mitzvah v'chai bahem is extremely unique and it's multi-layered. I want to jump into what this mitzvah actually is. Unkelis, in his Aramaic explanation of the Pasuk, he says, that the Torah is telling us, by doing the mitzvos, you will receive eternal life. The mitzvos, those are our tickets to eternity. Olam haba. Rashi following Unkelis says the same thing. V'chai behem says Rashi, l'olam haba. Do these mitzvos in order to live forever. How do we know it means the next world? Maybe it means this world. Rashi explains, Shim tomer ba'olam hazeh, if you were to suggest it means in this world, v'halo sofa humeis, eventually we're all going to die. So how could the Torah say v'chai behem, which has a connotation of you will live through them, only for a short time. It must mean V'chai behem, by doing the mitzvos, we're zocha, we're, we're inheriting eternal life. The Orachayim, however, seems to take a different approach. Orachayim says, Ki adam me'ava, that when a person is engaged in mitzvos, me'ava, where it's coming from a source of love, not just because I have to, not just because my, my Rebbe told me to, not just because I'm afraid of the consequences if I don't, but there's a real relationship here. Then, yesh no gam betov ha'olam hazeh, yeser al gemul ha'kavua lo ba'olam ha'nitzchi. Then when the Torah says v'chai bahem, it's not only referring to the life after, it's not only referring to nitzchi as to eternity, but it's also referring to this world. When we engage in Torah and mitzvos me'ava, when we have this relationship with Hashem through the mitzvos, then we're getting that chius, we're getting that life infused within us through the mitzvos, not just for the next world, but in this world as well. On the surface, it sounds like there's a machlokas. It sounds like there's a debate between 
Onkelus and Rashi on one side, and Orachayim. But I want to explain a very fundamental philosophy that I think will show us they could really be complementing each other and they're not debating each other. Do we believe in reward and punishment? So most would say yes. That's principle number 11 of the Rambam, last I checked. We believe in schar v'onesh. So it's true, but it's not necessarily true in the way we think it is. What does it mean, schar? Right? You do a mitzvah, and you're going to get reward. How does that system work? So every time I put on tefillin in the morning, right, there are more little coins going in my eternal bank account. And then eventually, when I get upstairs, after 120, so hopefully I have millions and millions of dollars put away for retirement, and then Hashem showers me with the money and the love. Come, look at this. Here's your yacht, right? Here's your golf course. Enjoy. And our response is, we've been doing that for the last 40 years living in Florida. Right? <laughs> no yacht, though. No yacht. Not yet. So that's not how reward works. There's a, a very fundamental nefesh Chaim, a piece written by Rav Chaim Velazhin, where he explains the, the mitzvah, the reality of the next world. It's not that we're going to Olam Haba. There's no such place as Olam Haba. But rather, we're creating Olam Haba within ourselves. Let's take a look at the Nefesh He says, every day we say a bracha before doing a mitzvah. The phrase is, Asher kiddishonu b'mitzvosav, that you've sanctified us through your mitzvos. He explains, what is that kedusha? How are we uplifted through a mitzvah? As soon as I even have the thought, I have a desire to do a mitzvah, immediately there's some kind of energy from, from up above, from a, a spiritual source, that surrounds me, that almost assists me in going through and doing that mitzvah. This is what it says, he explains, we find in the very beginning of the Sefer Devarim, You who have held on tight to Hashem, you who have experienced the Vekis, you're cleaving to God, you're all alive today. It doesn't just mean you're breathing and you're conscious, but means you have a spiritual existence. You're alive in a deeper way because of your devakis, because of your closeness and relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu. What happens is, the more we do in this world, the more we actually light those Shabbos candles and we go to shul, and we actually make it deeper and more meaningful. So the more of the Gan Eden we're bringing into our neshamos, we're creating Olam Haba here. The uh, Chaim Velazhin says, "Shu Yoshev Ata began Eden Mamish." It's as if you're presently sitting in Gan Eden, Bitzel Kanfe Hakadusha Beseser Elyon, being sheltered by the wings of Hashem. And this is what it means. He concludes in Parshas Acharemos, Ela Hamitzvos Asher Yasa Osam Haadam Vachai Behem. 
these are the mitzvos that you should do, v'chai behem, to live through them. So it sounds like what he's telling us is there's no place called Olam Haba, there's no place called paradise, but it's through transforming ourselves in this world. And then when we shed the bodily clothing and we enter that, that new reality, that reality that we'll be living in forever, whoever I've created here is my reality there. That's Olam Haba. So Rashi and Unkelis are not at all arguing with the Orachayim. They're both true. Rashi and Unkelis are focusing on the fact that through the mitzvos. That's how we earn the next world. But it's not just getting little points in your heavenly piggy bank. It's not Hashem throwing spiritual candy at you. It's a reality. Because I've transformed myself here, I've infused life into my neshama. V'chai behem. I was living through the Torah in this world. So I created Olam Haba here. Like the Ramchal says, the main pleasure, the main tanug that the truest form of joy is only in the next world for one simple reason. There's no limitation. It's, it's a world that's kulo ruchni, where everything is spiritual, and th- there's no way to contain the pleasure. However, in this world, we can still feel it because we're changing and transforming ourselves through the mitzvahs. That's the mitzvah v'chai behem. Live through the mitzvahs. The phrase we have in the Gemara that you could be considered a ben olam haba is usually translated as you will be zocha to go to the world to come. But really, according to the Nefesh Shechaim, it means something much deeper. Ben olam haba means you're alive right now. But right now, you're a ben olam haba. This is who you are. A person who learns in yeshiva, he's called a ben Torah. He's a, whatever, he's a ben Torah. He's not living in the Torah, but that's his mahus, that's his reality. His essence is the Torah through his learning. So how exactly does it work? Every time we do a mitzvah, we're infusing ourselves with life, we're we're bringing olam haba into our very essence. It sounds very lofty, it sounds very esoteric. But the Ramban helps us. The Ramban says it really depends not necessarily on what mitzvah we're doing, but how we're doing the mitzvah. He writes here on this pasuk, V'chai behem, V'da, we should know, Ki chayei ha'adam b'mitzvos, the life of a human being through mitzvos, Kafi ha'chanoso lehem, it's all based on one thing, which is preparation. How am I approaching the mitzvah? What is my mindset as I'm engaged in the mitzvah? My hachana, my preparation, determines everything. And he lists four categories. The lowest category that he mentions is I'm doing the mitzvah, al menas l'kabel pras, which means, according to the Ramban, I just want good things in this world. And I believe that by doing the right thing, I'll get a good parnasa and I'll get a good shidduch. So that's why I want to do the mitzvahs. That's... Category one. Then he says, category two, Al minas lezakos behen olam haba. I'm doing the right thing. I'm following the Torah because I want olam haba. I want good stuff in the next world. 
I want to be close to Hashem. I want that pleasure. Okay, a little bit of a higher level. I'm not just focused on the, the physical pleasures, but I'm looking for something more lofty. The third level, he says, is one who does mitzvos me'ava. It's coming from a source of love. Kedinu karoi, that's the proper way of doing mitzvos. But at the same time, I'm still living in this world. I haven't separated myself entirely from the world around me. And level four, which seems to be the highest level, is ozvim kolen olam hazeh, those who put aside all of the worldly matters, and they don't care about anything here, almost as if they don't even have a body. They become melachim in this world, like Elio Hanavi. Okay, those are the four levels the Ramban mentions. But he seems to be sharing with us something very important, which is this whole system the idea of living through the mitzvos, of v'chai bahem, and infusing the, the real chiyus, the real life, into my neshama, and transforming myself through the mitzvos, it all depends not necessarily on what I'm doing, but how I'm doing it. How am I approaching the mitzvah? Now it's interesting, in these four categories, there's, there's one category he leaves out. What am I thinking of? Here's an example. I'm doing a mitzvah, and what am I, what am I thinking? What do I have in mind? Absolutely nothing, <laughs> right? How about that kind of category five? I'm not doing it because I want good things in this world. I'm not doing it for the next world. It's not coming from love. It's certainly not because I've separated myself from all of the, uh, the worldly possessions that I have. It's just because this is what I do. Mitzvos anasha milumada. I'm not thinking about anything. Where does that rank? During uh, the Cholamoid, one of the hardest things for a Frum family is trying to figure out what to do on Cholamoid. And every family has their own situation, their own restrictions and work schedules. So my mother was in town. So nice to have her here for the first days of Yontif. So we found this place, she found this place where you could rent family bicycles. So we did that once before and that's pretty fun. And I figured, you know what, it's a good combination of, of time with the family and a good workout. Okay. Only problem was it, it was, it sounds like it's near the beach. So I was a little bit nervous about that. I called the guy up. And I was asking him, where exactly is the path? Is it right by the beach? Are you going to be seeing people in bathing suits? So his first question was, how many in your family? How many are coming? I said, altogether, probably about nine people. So right away, he said, Abba, shalom, shalom. <laughs> oh, okay. I said, shalom, shalom. So I thought he really understood me. So I was asking, you know, is it, is it somewhat modest or is it right by the beach? And he said, no, no, come. Everyone is here from New York and New Jersey. Come down. It's beautiful. Very nice little path. Okay, wonderful. So we drive 45 minutes down to this place, which is basically right on the beach. 
but I'm, I'm hoping for the best. <laughs> we park a little bit further away. So we go inside, and I walk in. He sees me. Shalom, shalom, Abba. But I realized he wasn't Jewish. <laughs> he wasn't Jewish. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out, so, so where's the path? He's like, it's right over there. Like, so right by the beach. He's like, yeah, it's gorgeous. Is there any other place to ride these things? No, no, it's right over here. Come, come, how many do you want? So we get the kids back in the car. <laughs> right? So talk about disappointment. We have nothing real to eat. <laughs> As it is, they're frustrated. So we go down a little bit further south, and we find a place to, uh, to fly kites. We were there once before. Really cool place. Now the question is, what kind of kite do you want to buy? Well, they have the $60 option, right? That's out of the question. And then they have, you know, the cheaper ones. So we go for something fairly cheap. We ask the guy, but can it still fly well? Yeah, yeah, sure, they're all good. <laughs> so, so we get out there, and I'm trying to teach the kids how to fly a kite. Only problem is, I have no clue myself, right? <laughs> all I know is Mary Poppins, and that's it. <laughs> Never flew a kite before. We're having a good time, you know, going around. But we realized our kites are not getting more than like eight or ten feet up in the air. And they're there for a few seconds and they come back down. And then as we're there, more people come. And they start buying kites. And half hour later, I'm standing there with my kids. We're looking at everybody else. There are literally 40 people there. Massive kites, you know, 60 feet in the air. And they have little seven-year-old kids doing it. And we're there with our kites on the floor. If you were to look at me, or my children, having the little kite thing in our hands, but not seeing where the kite was. And you were looking at the other seven-year-old kid who had his kite thing in his hand, and his kite was 70 feet in the air, we would look the exact same. It could be our faces would be more disappointed, but we're doing the exact same thing. What's the difference? He's flying a kite, and I'm not. I'm going through the motions. I have the, the plastic with the, with the string on it. Keep on doing this. I asked one of the people there, you know, hey, can you give me some tips? Said, yeah, it's easy. Just, just do this. So I'm doing this, right? The same thing is true when it comes to mitzvahs. We're all doing the same thing. But how do we know if my kite is actually soaring? Right? How do I know if I'm really doing it well? So category five of the Ramban does not mention is when I'm just thinking of nothing whatsoever. There's a beautiful Me'iri in his introduction to Brachos where uh, he says something so timely. He writes in source number 10 that the derech b'nei adam, the, the way of people, is that we often don't utilize the moment if it's a, a yontif, a holiday, or it's a particular experience that we're going through, we don't really feel it. We don't let ourselves enter the moment. He says, even though it's a mitzvah, he's talking about doing tshuva, even though it's a mitzvah to try to improve ourselves every day, during the times of or the month of Elul, we have to focus on it more. And also times of tzara or of holy, 
times in our life, either personally, the family, or the nation, when we're going through tzara, we're going through suffering. And when we come to these times, when we have these experiences in life, and we don't awaken ourselves to the moment. We're not feeling that. But I'm just doing it. I'm just doing the, the, the Maisa Mitzvah. I'm doing the action. Right? The Lashon, or the words. I'm saying the words. Mitzvah, melumada, miblishi, yisbonein, b'inin ha-mitzvah, without really thinking about what or why I'm doing. Listen to these words carefully. Lo yimoshech lo min ha-mitzvah hahi. I will not be extracting from that mitzvah. Mashekivin no senes yisborach lihimoshech mimena. What Hashem had in mind for me to receive. Every mitzvah is there to change me. But if I'm not allowing it to change me, I'm not doing this with a mind that, that's open to the mitzvah. I'm not listening to the message of the mitzvah. I'm, I'm not getting it. Right? The doctor gives me a pill. And okay, so I'll take the pill. I'm just taking the capsule though. All those little tiny powdery things inside I'm going to throw away. Those are disgusting. But I'll take the capsule. I'm doing the misa. I'm going through the motions, but I'm not getting the medicine. And then he says an amazing thing. He says, this is a deeper understanding of the verse which literally means it's a time to do for Hashem because they are breaking your Torah. But the Me'iri says it means something more than that. It means that when I'm doing for Hashem, when I'm engaged in the mitzvah, but my heart is not here whatsoever, then that even through the mitzvah I'm doing, by performing the mitzvah, I'm actually breaking the Torah. When it's a time that I should be awake, it's a time I should be opening my eyes, it's a time that I should be trying to do something more meaningful, trying to have more preparation in my avodas Hashem, and I don't, he says, it's the same exact thing as an animal, carrying its load. Just depends on the season. Sometimes it's carrying the wheat, sometimes the grapes, everything in the right time. What's the ox thinking as it's transferring the produce? Absolutely nothing. He says the same thing could be with us. It just depends. Here I'm eating matzah, and I'm sitting at the Seder table, and here I'm sitting in a sukkah, and over there I'm staying up all night eating cheesecake. But it's just different things. I'm not really living it, though. I'm not involved with it emotionally. We're all flying kites, but my kite is not soaring. That's the fifth level the Ramban doesn't discuss. However, right, we should not feel dejected, we should not feel despair that many of our mitzvahs may be in, in that fifth category. The realization that even doing one mitzvah with, with real intention, with real kavanah, with real hislavos, with a fire, that one mitzvah can change our lives forever. That one mitzvah can be our ticket to nitzchiyas, to eternity. The famous Rambam where he tells us that it's me'ikre amuna b'Torah. One of the fa- fa- foundational beliefs in the Torah 
is that when we are Mekayim a mitzvah, we do even one of the 613 mitzvahs, but we do so in the proper way, with lev and nefesh, not just the action, but with a heart and soul. Through that one mitzvah, that could be my schos. And he says, that's why HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us so many mitzvahs. We complain sometimes, right? there's so much to do. But that's exactly the point. Because with 613 mitzvahs, and many, many other hundreds of thousands of different responsibilities we have, It's impossible that throughout my lifetime, I'm not going to do at least one of them with real kavanah, with shleimus, with wholesomeness. And that could be my ticket. That could transform me more than many other mitzvahs. So the quality of the mitzvah, the preparation, the mindset, the association I have while I'm doing a mitzvah, it's the quality versus quantity. How do we prepare for a mitzvah? What exactly are we supposed to be thinking? So the Peleyoetz helps us. Peleyoetz in source number 13, he speaks about the importance of mental preparation. Right? You think about it, before anything big in life, right now we're in the NBA finals, the, the amount of training, not just physical training, but mental training and coaching and, 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 and working out and eating right, your whole life is centered around this accomplishment. There's so much preparation. One of the guys in yeshiva told me recently, I'm not sure if it's true, but it sounds pretty, pretty amazing, that, that Steph Curry from the Warriors, probably one of the best three-point shooters of all time, every day, part of the practice that he does for himself is that he has to make 500 three-pointers. No matter how many times it takes him, he has to make 500 three-pointers. Now, why in the world are you using so much of your time and life and energy for doing that? Well, one reason is you're making millions of dollars. Right? So that makes sense. But it's more than that. It's because you're machshavit. You appreciate what it is. Somehow the whole world views this as a very important thing. When it comes to something we view as not so important, we don't practice that much. In the mornings, I don't know how this ritual evolved, but somehow it did. When I come home from shul, so I, I help change Sarah's diaper, it's really a pull-up, and then I try to shoot it into the, the garbage can. And I'm, I'm probably 75%, 80%, not bad. Now the kids do it themselves, which is a, a mess. But I could be a lot better if I practiced. Right? If I spent hours a day taking a wet diaper and throwing it from 15 feet into a garbage can in my kitchen, I guarantee you I could up my 75% to 95%. Why don't I do that? Because I'm not making millions of dollars. But besides that, it's because I don't really care. Right? When it comes to Avodah Hashem, davening is a simple example because we all are, are very challenged with it. It's, it's a very difficult thing to do. It's a meditation. Davening is a meditation. The way the Torah and the Shulchan Aruch speak about davening in Simen Sadiches. His Pashtus Hagashmi, we're supposed to transcend the physical. It's, it's hard. And we have so many other things in our mind. But if you think about it, if I were to take a few minutes every day, literally two or three minutes, 
And I, and I have my own sitter, and I do recommend having your own sitter. You have your own sitter, and just go through the words that we say daily. I don't have to have all 17,000 books on tefillah, but I can have a couple that I enjoy, and just go through the basic translation, and, and there are things that will just explode out of the page. And when I think about it from a, from a personal perception, how does this impact me? What can I be thinking as I'm saying these words? I don't have to get super Kabbalistic. I don't have to get super deep. But if I did that literally two or three minutes a day with the words that I'm saying anyway, that could transform davening from being like the Me'iri said, just the ox carrying the grapes or the wheat. That could make it something very meaningful. There's no option. Baruch Hashem, those of us who are, who are davening, we're not going to stop davening. We'll continue doing this in Mirza Hashem for the rest of our lives. The only option we have is, do we choose to make it more meaningful, or do we choose to be complacent and continue doing mindless things every morning and every afternoon? Not to put down davening even when it is mindless. We know the power of saying the words is, is very, very, very chashim. But it's enodoma, it's nothing in comparison to what it could be if we actually poured in lave and nefesh. It doesn't take hours of time, but it has to be a pursuit. Says the Peleyoites, because we view our Vodas Hashem even more important than the NBA Finals, how do we prepare? L'chein ha'ish Hashem ma'od. One who has a deep awareness of Hashem will want to do the mitzvos well. Here's what I should be thinking. Here's the formula. And we have something similar, and there have been a Bechai and Chavos Levavos, something similar in the Ramchal. I should be thinking, Kodem Kol Mitzvah before every Mitzvah, or before davening, or before saying a Bracha. Maha Mitzvah Hazos, number one. What is this? Right? Not deep philosophy just to ask myself the question, what am I doing? Number two, ma tam yeshba, what's the reason I'm doing this? Right? Sometimes the answer is, it's a chok, it's something, it's above human comprehension, but most often we understand what we're doing and we also understand why we're doing if we think about it. And then number three, how should I be doing this? Right? So three things. What am I doing? Why am I doing this? And how should it be done? V'yasa achana. I should do this preparation. V'hishoros benafsho lasos beyira v'ava besimcha rabba. And to try to awaken myself as much as possible to do this mitzvah with love and with reverence. This is not just a bonus. This is not just a nice way of trying to enhance a mitzvah. But he quotes from the Zohar, famous Zohar, that any mitzvah lacking love and reverence, it's not a mitzvah. It doesn't mean it literally. I'm still getting the, the official, you know, schus uh, for the mitzvah. But it's not nearly what it could have been. The Rebbeinah Bachaya gives the famous example that when we're davening or saying a bracha without any thought of the words that are coming out of our mouth, it's a goof bleed neshama. It's a body without a soul. Which means if you look at the body over here, here's a person sleeping. And here's a person who's dead. What's the difference? 
they look pretty similar, right? From 15 feet away, I can't tell that one's breathing and one's not breathing. Only difference is, one's alive and one is dead. <laughs> That's a pretty big difference. And the Rebbeinu Bachai is saying, that could be the difference in my tefillah. That could be the difference in my bracha. I'm either just creating a, a goof below neshama, a, a dead bracha. I'm yotze, but it's dead. Or I could be creating a chius. The more, this is the way the Svas Emes explains the verse, v'chai behem, the more of my chius, the more of my life, the more of my emotional identity that I'm pouring into the mitzvah, the more chius, the more life I could extract from the mitzvah. Like the Meiri told us, Hashem gave us these mitzvahs for a reason. Not just to do them, but to get the benefit from them. The Peleyoids concludes, Zeklal Godol Latikun Hanashama. This is a guiding fundamental principle for elevating the body and soul. Delve into it, think about it deeply, de Kuloba, because everything is in this. Right? Infusing life into a mitzvah is everything. I want to get back to the article by Rabbi Yisrael Goldstein. very top of page five. He said, I am a religious man. I believe everything happens for a reason. I do not know why God spared my life. I do not know why I had to witness scenes of a pogrom in San Diego County like the ones my grandparents experienced in Poland. I do not know why part of my body was taken away from me. I do not know why I had to see my good friend, a woman who embodied the Jewish value of chesed, kindness, hunted in her house of worship. I don't know why I had to watch Lori's beloved husband, the doctor, faint as he tried to resuscitate her. And then their only daughter, Hannah, sob in agony as she encountered both her parents collapsed on the floor. I do not know God's plan, he writes. All I can do is try to find meaning in what has happened and to use this borrowed time to make my life matter more. And I think for all of us, we could echo the words of Rabbi Yisrael Goldstein. We don't know why HaKadosh Baruch Hu allows certain things to happen. But if we continue on without making any changes, they don't have to be extreme, they don't have to become the Chafetz Chaim, but if it's not doing more, it's doing deeper. It's not trying to do more mitzvahs necessarily, but it's living in a deeper reality, trying to make the mitzvahs that we're doing more meaningful. In the favorite quote of Lori, may her neshama have an aliyah, life is not measured by the number of breaths we take, but by the moments that take our breath away. Those moments don't just come. It's not just, oh, let's go to the Grand Canyon again. Let's see Niagara Falls. We have an obligation of v'chai bahem. We have to create those moments, not just through appreciating nature, which is also a nice thing to do, but we create those breathtaking moments by infusing our own life into the mitzvos. Bein adam l'makom, between things we do with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, bein adam l'chavero, little things that I might take for granted, or I might view as a hassle, changing the diaper or washing the clothing, things that can become so tedious. But if I understand this is a chesed and I'm pouring myself into it and I'm, I'm appreciating the opportunity for a chesed, then we get chius from the Torah 
and we're Makayim the mitzvah, we fulfill the obligation of Achai Behem. We should all be Zoha for good things, for Chaim, and for growth.